0: to the virtual city of Refuge Church. We kind of like this. What cracks me up is uh, is uh, the worship is as good as it ever is. <laughs> you know? I don't care if there's five people here or a thousand. Of course, we've never had a thousand, but I'm sure it'd be better. But it's the same. I mean, God's here. And uh, even that song, I thought, described the poem, I Just Want You. And that is the common theme, I think, about people who go to our church. It's that... Is truth. They want you. And uh, so I'm very happy to be a part of the, that group. A uh, couple announcements. Well, there are no new new announcements, is there? There's nothing new. We're still in the shutdown mode. I have no idea how long this is supposed to last, but I, I get a feeling that sometime at the end of April or in the middle of May, this part of the thing will be over, and we'll be able to meet together. We are planning to have one more service, hopefully, in this building, and we will baptize people, and we will celebrate all the years that we were here. This is like our wilderness tabernacle, and uh, God has done amazing things in this building, but he's given us a promised land building now, and we're in the process of restoring that building we're doing really good on that things are moving along and so we should hit our target date which is pentecost sunday the last sunday in may uh, in which we'll have our dedication service at the new building and so we're uh we're very busy on that things are looking good as a matter of fact um okay i think we're good to go here um you know, we've been talking, and of course everybody is, about what's hit the world. This pandemic, this, uh, COVID-9 or what do they call it, 19? No. I said like Joe Biden now, don't I? <laughs> what is that number? <laughs> anyway, and so we're learning to live in a new age, in a new world, uh, with social distances and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, my lord, everybody needs a haircut. I think I'm going to start a a new service, an essential service called Weed Eat Haircut. i got a six-foot extension on my weed eater. Everybody can just come by and I just give them a little bit. I know I need one. I feel like my college days going to be a real hippie here. Anyway, if I start rock and roll, you guys know it's finally settled in. Um, One other word here announcement-wise, since everything has been completely put on hold, including school, for the rest of the year, uh, school year, uh, we've decided to go ahead and not do the school, ca- the, uh, the uh, church camp with a lot of, uh, there's just no connection that leads us to that, so uh, I guess that's one of the, the things that just happens because of stuff like this, so just put that, if you had that on your calendar, take it off, and hopefully this time next year we will be announcing that we're going to do it again, all right, now during this time of shaking, and I think that definitely is what this has been. A time of shaking back in September of 2018, so a year and a half ago, uh, we started the shaking in the church world, I believe. God said all the things that he, he does, he starts it in the church. Judgment starts in the church, and then he takes it to the world. I think also that good things happen in the church first, and he offers it to the world. There's a, there's a really cool thing going on in the body of Christ, I think, people are coming back together again as families. I think there's people coming back together again where there's been splits. Uh, I think people are coming back to the Lord. And so, I expect to see what has been prophesied to come to pass. That there will be a great harvest of people who don't know the Lord. Uh, one prophecy in a billion people starting in this year, 2020. So, uh, but it will first start in the house of God. Those who were once so far off will come back. Malachi 4 describes it this way. The hearts of the fathers will be turned to their sons and their sons to the fathers. So I think that's going to be happening. I think you'll see a lot of it. We've been hearing a lot of good testimonies, amazing testimonies of things that God is doing in the church. And so I'm excited. I, I, I think uh, that we should be excited. Which kind of brings it back to the question for the day. Have you learned anything from all of this stuff? What did you learn if you learned anything? And I think a lot of on what you are looking at? You know, if the glass is half empty, then you're going to go negative on us. If it's half full, then you will probably see what God is doing. And your faith will be increased. I think there's always be, should be something that you should be looking for out of the circumstances of life. God will use uh, your life experiences, especially trials of life, to teach you and to progress you along the way of your life call. There is a revelation of your life. One guy said it this way, your life is your sermon. Or in other words, it's the witness of Jesus Christ to the world. So what does your life speak? What's your life song? These times that we're in should be really really important to you concerning what does your life mean what is it for so what have you learned during this pandemic i've learned quite a few things and just observations i've learned that people really are a problem and i've also learned that god loves people so which one are you going to look at that the people are are trouble or that god loves people see there's your glass half full He loves people. He wants to bring them back to himself, and I think he's going to do that during times like this. Now, I think it's especially important for churches like this church. We've always been a prophetic church from the very beginning of the thing. We have brought apostles and prophets out here unending. And the Bible says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. So they bring something to the table that other ministries don't have. If you receive that ministry, then then what they are and what they bring to the table, revelation-wise, becomes a part of the fabric of that church. And so I think this church has always been prophetic. And so the people of the church, whether they know it or not, are living out prophetic lives. Uh, they become signs and wonders to the community around them prophetically. Now, <clears throat> uh, the lessons that you learn today, I think, need to go along the lines of what happened to the Apostle John. If you would, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. It's a very interesting scripture here. Revelation 1. now if there's any guy who had a a series of trials it is this guy the apostle john his brother was james james was the first apostle who was martyred right after jesus died they cut the head off of james and uh and then, and so it began uh every one of those apostles ended up being martyred the only one that did not get martyred that we're aware of was this guy. But he did get boiled in oil because of his lifestyle. Preaches for Jesus. He was the one that Jesus on the cross said uh, to behold your mother and, and pointed out Mary. So he was telling John, I want you to take care of my mother, what I've got. And he told her, behold your son. Look at John. That's the guy that's going to take care of you. So he did. And they ended up in Ephesus, and he led the church there, and I think that's probably where Mary, I'm not sure, but that's probably where Mary ended up passing away. But, uh, uh during that time, he, he became a real problem with Rome, so they boiled him in oil. It didn't kill him. And so, they sent him to this, this colony, or this island, a penal colony, where they'd send their criminals. This little wretched piece of land, six miles by ten miles long island out in the middle of the sea. So, you couldn't get away from it. You're stuck there, kind of like Andrews. You know. <laughs> anyway, so there you are. And so, what's he going to do with this thing? And and I think it says it all in chapter one, verse nine. And this should be marching orders for everybody. I John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation, and kingdom and patience or perseverance of Jesus Christ now look at this next section, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's why he was there in his mind. Now, Rome had a different idea. But for John, he took what hard things and made it good things. I was there for this. You think it was to punish me? No, no, no. I was there Romans 8.28 kicks in. Because God led me there. He used the agency of Rome and the trouble of the life for the purpose of taking me here. Why? Because here, I'm going to receive something I don't know and that the world needs. I was there for the word of God, the logos of God, what was written. So what's about to happen to this guy is going to be something that you could... Match back to the word of God somewhere. It'll be there, portions of it. And the prophetic part for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Things that are coming. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You can put that in your pipe and smoke that one as well. If you're gonna get what you're supposed to get out of this, get in the spirit, redetermine why you're going through what you're going. Get your focus on heavenly things. Not on what's going on around you. You Get you know, get over your man that you can't get all the groceries you want. Toilet paper is a thing of the past. But it's not the first thing ever invented, right? There's other ways. Now, real quickly, turn over to Revelation 19. John starts this book off with the idea of why he's there for. Now, you could say he was there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Or he was there to get more of that. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Either way, that, that reason drove why he was there. And so at the end of the, at the end of the book, he writes this about the bride and the bridegroom, verse nine, he says, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb, 19, nine. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you don't do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So that was why John was on the pamphlets. For the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy. I've preached about this before. The testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy. It's really for certain people, especially certain people, let's put it that way. Prophetic people, people who are in prophetic churches, typically will have this as a part of their life. They will live out life with experiences that they really don't understand at the time. But boy, they are feeling it. But God's in it. In fact, God led them to it, just like he did for John here at Patmos. And out of that experience, there is this birthing of expression of what this is doing to me. I am personally experiencing this. And so I begin to express this in one way or another. I can either write it down, it becomes the book of Isaiah. Or I can sing it, it becomes a psalm or a song. Or I can just talk about it. But my life becomes an expression of something that Jesus will fulfill. It will point to him some way or another. You are literally a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do. that's kind of way out there. But it's all through the Bible. When I first found this, it also made, made sense of my life. Your life is your sermon. It is your message. So you go through things and you don't understand it. But because you experience it and you and you you begin to express yourself, then it becomes the spirit of revelation. Revelation hits it and now you get it and you can make sense of it. And get this, even your experiences can become, like John's did, the logos of God. What he experienced through the spirit of revelation became the word of God. The book of Revelation, he wrote that. It's a logos now. Now, what is the one scripture, do you think, that is being brought forth again and again and again during this time of pandemic? I want to venture. Psalm 91. You hear it everywhere. And you just turn it on somewhere. And they're going to, at some point, talk about Psalm 91. Somebody wrote that for our time. And for other people who have hard times, Psalm 91, I'm telling you, is a scripture written because of the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus, who wrote it. And there's two authors that have been put forth that could have written this thing. One of them was Moses. I kind of get Moses. The other one was David. I kind of get David. I can go either way. Well, we're going to talk about David today because I really, I can really point to scriptures that shows you how your life unfolds over time to become this sermon, this message for other people that they can walk with and help their life out. Let's look at Psalm 91 real fast. Look at the uh, key points of Psalm 91 and why we see it uh, being done today. In an era of pandemics. Did you know that this is not the last one, this pandemic? The Bible says in Matthew 24 that when he starts to come back, there will be a series of these. Ain't that great news? So maybe we should be learning something with this one. How should you live in a time of pandemics? Do you want to live the rest of your life in seclusion, in fear, in wearing masks? I mean, I'm not saying that any of that's, the masks are bad or anything like that. I just say is this why we came? Is this the best that we got? I don't, I don't think so. Psalm 91. Let's, let's pick up the revelation. Either guy who wrote this, it is said they wrote this at the end of their life. So what you're seeing here is the peak revelation. It all kind of came together in this one something. It's what I would call a perfect scripture. Because in this scripture, it reflects the fullness of the name of God, which reflects who God is and what God does. And it reflects the, the time that you need this and what you should be doing in it. All right. There are several key words. So let's pick it up at verse one. <clears throat> Look at the name of the names of God as we go through this. He who dwells. Now, here comes key words in the secret place. There is a place called secret. All right. A secret place. And I can tell you for sure that Moses found this. He says, when he asked God to show him his glory, he says, there's a place next to me. You can come and stand right here. And my glory is going to go by. It would destroy you otherwise, but I'm going to put my hand over you. Moses found that secret place, but so did David. He who dwells in the secret place of who? The most high God. That is one of the chief names of God. El El Yon. And the why is so important here is this is the God... Who is referred to as the God of Melchizedek. Jesus' ministry is after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a God who was referred to by in Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar and all these guys. He was the God of the non-Christian world. Shall we say it that way? People who don't yet know God but know that there is a God. The most high God is for the whole thing. It is. And so, there's a secret place with him, the Most High God, El El Yon. Let's keep reading it. If you go there, you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That name is El Shaddai. He is the Almighty God. For God's people who do not yet know him completely. Moses, when he ran into God... On the burning bush mountain. He said God says my people know me by El Shaddai. But they have never known me by the next day that it comes up. The Lord. Jehovah. Who's going to purchase you from every problem of life. So he really surrounds this thing with who God is. And when you go there you go going to get all of God. Every bit of God. Secret place. Shadow. Next part. Verse 2. I will say of Jehovah. He is my refuge. There's a key one. Refuge. And that's why this church is called City of Refuge. And my fortress. My God, El. In him I will trust. And that's why this scripture is so key for today. Because that's the one thing you have got to learn in times like this. In this training time. Learn Trust. Otherwise, you're going to walk in fear. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence or pandemic. So it addresses this time and, and the things that we'll be living in for the probably the rest of our life. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid. Don't fear of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence pandemic that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. And on and on this thing goes. But there are chief words, I've highlighted some of them in here that you should be looking for. How did they get here With Psalms 91 and all these amazing truths and words. Each one of them are powerful. Each one of them is a sermon in itself. Each one of them is a life experience. I guarantee you. Well, let's look at David as maybe the author here. We'll do him today. You know, David, look at 1 Samuel 2019. David started out his life, his public life, in a good way. Would you agree? He, uh... His explosion on the scene was with Goliath. He took on a giant for the entire nation and cut his head off. And for that, Saul, the king of Israel, the guy that should have been fighting Goliath, gave David his daughter, Michael, as a wife. And that was considered wonderful. Okay, and so he starts off really good, and then he starts he fights some other battles and he wins them all. I mean, and then all of a sudden he, he is like a superstar, and uh, I mean he is riding high. And then boom, here comes the testimony of Jesus. <laughs> He's going to start living out what Jesus is going to live, and he, and because he writes all this stuff, look over uh, uh chapter twenty one, no nineteen, verse one. Look at the caption above chapter 19. <clears throat> Saul persecutes David. For all that good things that he did, this is the result he gets. A king comes at him. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that what they should do, kill David. So he has a, a, a warrant out for his life. Go kill David. To everybody. Look down to verse 10. Then Saul sought to pin David. To the wall with a spear but he slipped away from Saul's presence and drove the spear into the wall so David fled and escaped that night it wasn't just tell everybody to kill David he was trying to kill David and that's pretty serious I mean you're, David's playing the guitar kind of like you guys were doing I could have got my spear out just threw it with anybody everybody would have known it was coming blessing the Lord all this stuff things are wonderful and here comes a spear from the king so he runs his life is now different. Chapter 21. As David runs, <clears throat> I mean, he is running like a scalded dog. And he, he comes to a place where the guys that are with him, they don't have any more food. And if you notice the caption above chapter 21, it says, David and the holy bread. They run out of food. And he comes to this place where there's these priests. And he asks them, verse 23, he says, what have you on hand?" Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever else can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread or show bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women. David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy. And the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this days." And so the priest gave it to him. The bread. Now, was that a good or a bad thing? Matthew, you can hold your place there and run over to Matthew chapter 12. Interesting scripture here. Here's how Jesus reflected on this. Chapter 12, verse 1 of Matthew. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry just like David and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, doctors of the law, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread Now, you can underline the next part, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priest of the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. That's a mouthful of stuff right there. Jesus tells these guys, Look, your understanding of the law, of the written word of God, is going to be challenged as you develop your sermon of your life. What you think the Bible says and means, there's a lot more in there than you know. And your definition of what it looks like, it says, is fixing to get blown up. Was it lawful or was it unlawful for David to do what he said did? According to Jesus said it was unlawful, but it was still okay. Because there's things that rise above right and wrong. I desire mercy. How about that one? If it wasn't for that, we'd all be dead. Everybody would die. Because nobody can achieve what they need to achieve with God. So thank God that we're not under the strictures of just flat-out law. So is it right to go hoard food at, at Thriftway? No. But is it okay? I'm not going to judge that. You know what I'm saying? Just let it be. Live and let it live. All right? How about that one? Now, I'm going to tell you that as we go forward into the things that God has called our generation to live through, a lot of the things that you are, that you think are right and wrong, you're fixing to get challenged on. What well, you think that the Bible says, you're fixing to get challenged on. The one who wrote the Bible has the last word on it. Amen. Go back to Samuel. So David does. I mean, he. I tell you what, this was right here. This was the first lap for David concerning the understanding of, of the covenant that God was going to give him, called the Sure Mercies of David. One of the greatest revelations of his life was laid out as he's running for his life. He knew it was unlawful, but they were hungry. And so he found out something deeper with God. And he would have never learned it any other way. That's what God does to you. And I mean it, to you. So he runs... They got the food. And by the way, just so you'll know the complete story, those priests that did this for him, they all got killed. So it's still, was it a good thing or a bad thing? You get my point? There's, this thing's bigger than us. Okay, let's keep reading. Chapter 22, I think. Yeah. Now, 21 verse uh, 10. He runs from the priest with the showbread, and he comes to another king. Verse 10, David rose and fled that day from, from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Another king. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this not the David, the king of the land? Did they not sing about him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Akash the king of Gath. Now, would you do this, verse 13? So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate like a cat, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. And then this, this king said, get him out of here. Would you do that? Do you have to get mad to do that. It's your spouse. This guy has been anointed already to be the king of Israel. And he's acting like this. Okay. I would never think that I would do that. But I will never say that I wouldn't. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'd do. So it's up over to chapter 22. <clears throat> verse 1. Now David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And many people met him there, for, became David's army. So he goes to this cave. So life has turned, been turned upside down. You talk about, uh, what do you call it when you everybody stays at the same place? We're in it right now. Shelter in place. He's sheltering in place. The- so, what happens at the cave? This is how the testimony of Jesus works. This is how John on the Isle of Patmos received his stuff. Just like that. They think he's there to save his life. He's there for the word of the Lord and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. All right? Look what he writes coming out of that dead gum cave. Look in Psalm 142. He writes a series of Psalms. While he's there, this whole process here, while he's running and when he gets to this cave are all a result of all the, the reason for these psalms that we're about to read. And these psalms end up being Psalm 91 at the end. It becomes this way, folks. God tells you things about life that you need to know. The way he told Isaiah, it is line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. So you get a, little, a revelation. I mean, usually one of those lines or precepts he gives you is enough to choke a dadgum cattle. I mean, it's like, a, oh my God. And it's just one line. And there's a bunch more coming. So here's some of the lines and precepts that David got, which ended up being Psalms 91. Look at the caption on Psalms 142. A contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. All right, so he's there. We know why he's there. Life has changed. This this describes the process of the testimony of Jesus. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. Tribulation. This is how you enter the kingdom. Through tribulation. Trouble. You're getting crushed. Look at verse 3. Oh my God. Uh, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. And that's how it feels. I mean this is an emotional thing that happens to you. You're literally overwhelmed. You know, when you get in this spot, it doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much education you have. I don't care about anything in life. When you're here, we're all the same. We're just two-legged creatures hoping to get through this. It'll knock you to your knees. My spirit was overwhelmed. When this happened, look what, what happens next. Then, God, you knew my path. That's when God begins to understand you. Because, see, when stuff begins to happen to you, what's in you comes out of you. you know, your, your heart is revealed. Have y'all noticed some of the stuff that's coming out of people now? Some of it's kind of disturbing. You know? The same trouble can cause some people to get more weird and cause the person right next to them to get saved. Or it can cause a governor who brags about his abortion law and gets creamed by the coronavirus to then tell her the reason it's going down wasn't because of God. It wasn't God. It wasn't your prayers. It wasn't destiny. It was me. For out, dude. Antichrist. Hope you love it when you find yourself that you're not God as you show yourself to be God. It's a ridiculous the stuff that comes out in times like this. But this guy got the message. You knew my path, God, in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. That's why Psalm 91 says he won't get you. This, you know, you'll be delivered from that snare. Because he was in a snare. Look at this, the revelation of he sees the trouble that he is in. Look on my right hand and see. There is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge or my plan has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Does that remind you guys of anybody? How about Jesus? Right after Passover, and he told the disciples, "Tonight, night you will all betray me. Oh no, not me. Really. Three times a cock and crow. You'll, you'll do it. Three times. And so he looked at his right hand. <laughs> there was nobody there. You know, the people I thought that I could trust, the, the, the lifestyle I had set up, my 401k, all the things that I thought had be covered, nothing had be covered. And I looked for someone to give a rip. Nobody did. They were giving a rip about themselves as they ran said, I don't know him. So is this not the testimony of Jesus Christ? And how did he write that? He lived that. He experienced that. And because of that troubling time, he produces this. And God will say, this is my word and I will perform it in my son. So that I can redeem the world craziness comes out of these things. The power of God comes through this stuff. It's amazing to me. So there he was. David talking about what Jesus was going to do. And then because of that, he begins to see life in a different way. The way it should be looked at. I'm serious about this. He looks at, I'm looking at my right head for, for my strength. Nothing there. I'm looking for people, all my buds. They all left me. Even the ones that I raised up, they say they don't even know me. So I'm going to reevaluate what I think, what I believe, and what I do. So he does that in verse 5. So I cried out to you, O Lord, Jehovah, the one that redeems. And I said, you are my refuge. So how did he get Psalm 91? The Lord is my refuge in the cave. When he saw everything else that was supposed to be it, didn't happen for him. You are my refuge. And look at this next line. And my portion. My portion. If there's anything that you should get out of this time that we're in, learn that part right there. God is my portion. He is my portion. We even say it. What was that song, that last song you sang? There's nothing else that we'll do. I just want you. Nothing else we'll do. You are my portion. And he only goes. Well, look at Psalm 57. Another Psalm he wrote. During this season. I love the caption on this one. Uh, To the chief musician set to, uh, this is a song, do not destroy. (laughs) I mean, he's begging for this one to come through. Please, don't kill me. 57. Set to the song, do not destroy a victim or a prayer of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. So, same thing. Look at the first few verses on this one. More line upon line and precept upon precept. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For my soul trust in you. There's the word trust. Bingo. And how did he get to trust? He knows mercy. He dated the showbread. Didn't kill him. God was still with him. And so he can say So I trust not in the fact that I can keep every law, every command, do everything right. None of that matters. Your trust, my trust is in your mercy. I trust in you. And look here. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. So all this is being birthed as he's having this thing happen to him. I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to the most high God. And why that God now? This is important because it's the most high God who defines your life call. Your inheritance is, is dictated by the most high God. In Psalm 139, it talks about before I had any any life all, before any of my days were lived, you wrote them for me. In other words, you had a, a, a definition of who, what I am and what I was supposed to be. Before I was even born, you do what I was supposed to be. Jeremiah says, before I was born, you knew me. So he's re- he's going back God. Back when I was on that sheepfold and I did that bear thing and hit that lion thing and this, this weird dude shows up and pours oil on my head. You remember that? I'm supposed to be the king. This guy's trying to kill me. So he's appealing to God. I cry out to that promise. I'm not going to shake it off of me if you keep me. This is where faith really is developed. Because you don't really have anything else. You don't have any answer except faith. I will cry out to God most high. To God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who will swallow me up. God will send forth his mercy and his truth. Great psalm. Psalm 16. We're on such a roll here. Psalm 16. It's a Psalm of David. It doesn't say it here, but all your commentaries will tell you. He wrote this one and the next one, 16 and 17, in the cave. Or on the way to the cave. This whole experience. And so what's he saying in verse 1? Preserve me, God. For in you I put my trust. There's your, the other line. Look down on verse um, 4. Their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. The reason I want to bring this, this one verse in because right now, folks, shaking will separate people. You will find people who will run after their God, and it ain't going to be Jesus, and those who will run after Jesus. And what's funny about that is what some people who are in the camp of Jesus before this started are not in that camp anymore. They're running away from it. And and, con, and the flip is also true. Those who don't know him right now, they're going to be running to him. So don't don't judge who's, who's on whose side yet. It's going to change. There's going to be a shift of a billion people coming in. And a lot of people who are already in say, I don't want to go to that marriage supper thing. I'm too busy. And so it's going to be a big shift. Verse 5. And here we go again. Oh, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance. You are my portion. So one thing he learned, in, in all this trouble, he learned, God, you're my portion. You're my inheritance. And my cup. Here we go again. Testimony of Jesus. What was Jesus' final final hard thing to do? Take the cup. And David said, look, I recognize that that cup is you, God. This is your plan for my life. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Why are we even bringing this part up? You remember what he said earlier? I looked on my right hand and there was none there. So what has happened to David? I shifted. I don't look to people anymore or things. I look to God just like Moses did. Wow. That's where my help comes from. It's not what this world can offer. It's what he is. So I look at my right hand and I say, oh, wow, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad my my glory rejoices. My flesh shall rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your holy ones to see corruption. Now, and you will show me the path of life. Isn't this interesting? If you know the Bible, you know that what you just read is about Jesus Christ. Those last few verses there, you want my heart is glad. Uh, I want to rest in hope. I'm not going to be moved. You're not going to leave my soul in, in hell. Look at Acts chapter 2. When Jesus died and was resurrected and then went up to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, Peter began to preach after they fell out of the upper room speaking in tongues. And this was his sermon. This is the first sermon in the, in the church of Jesus, Peter, the one who betrayed him, and now I'm speaking on his behalf. So that's good news. And in, the, in his message to the people who ended up, what, 3,000 here get saved? No, this one? He preaches about what happened to Jesus. Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Now who delivered him? The determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. God leads us into these messes. You took by lawless hands and crucified him and put him to death. Did God have anything to do with any of that? He had everything to do with all of that. It was his plan. 24. Whom God raised up. Having loose the pains of death. Because it was not possible. That he should be held by. It. For David says concerning him. And he's going to quote the Psalm 16. That we just left. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand. That I may not be Shaken. Shaken. Wow. You know, when all this stuff started, folks, back in September of 2018, I saw the shaking going on and it freaked me out. And I had to ask the question, if he's going to shake everything that can be shaken, can I be shaken? I know this has got my attention. And I, I mean, I honestly had the question, wow, am I about to be shaken And what finally got me out of that was the verse we just read. Let's read it again. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Now, David is again pointing to Psalm 91. Do you want to be shaken or not? If you learn your lessons in this time, you will find yourself in psalm 91 you will not be shaken but the world is going to be shaken did this pandemic shake anybody did it make anybody that we know afraid or we call our fear wisdom Ooh, that was a little bit of a low blow brother that's what i do you're welcome I'm getting you to think. I'm not saying be stupid or be insolent or be presumptuous, but check yourself. Are you really walking in fear? Are you walking in wisdom? This test is designed for you to test yourself. Is this the way you want to live the rest of your life at home? I mean, seriously, think about it. There's going to be a lot more of these. So I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced. My tongue was glad. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not live my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And you may known to be the ways of life. So David wrote that because he lived that. And Jesus fulfilled that. My point. We are going to do the same thing. You are going to live in the testimony of Jesus. If you're going to walk in the spirit. You will live the testimony of Jesus out. The spirit of prophecy. And you will birth things in this earth. Just get ready. I know for some people the doctrine doesn't allow for this. I'm sorry. Read the book. There's no difference with three or four people and five thousand. I always get the same reaction. Nada. We're headed this way. So I'm trying to shake you a little bit in your understanding. Hey, you better shift your thinking to some other things. What is that's your right hand? Really, what is there? What are you trusting in? Or is it a who? You better start shaking it. What is your portion? Is it just, is it to take another breath without coronavirus? Is that your portion? Or is it to give praise to God for the fact that He has delivered me? What is it? You can take a lesson from people who have had trouble come their way. Look at Lamentations real quick. Lamentations was written after Jerusalem was destroyed by their enemies, which God says he would do if they don't straighten it up. So in a way, it's like a pandemic. It's a destruction from the Lord. It wiped them out. And one of the great scriptures in the Bible, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations after the thing had been done. And there were people dying all over the place. And he writes this. I remember my affliction, verse 19, and my roaming, the wormwood and the gall, my my soul still remembers and sinks within me. That's his experience from this moment. And in verse twenty one, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. So, on the one hand, I see the destruction that has to be going on, and yet here comes a thought. I recall. I've known this before. Sometimes you've got to go back and bring back up what you once learned and apply it again. Verse 22. This is why he had hope. Through the Lord's mercies. That's what David learned. We are not consumed. Even though he did what was not lawful It's not because I do all things lawful, folks. It's through his mercies I'm not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. It always goes back. The Lord is my portion. You want to get into Psalm 91? Learn that. I want to end it with this. I believe that this church walks in this spirit. This testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy. Because I believe it for myself. And I'm the leader of the church. So you know whatever I am. If you receive me. You're going to get my reward. And there it is. This testimony. Now for me. Turn with me to Psalm 73. I think it is. This became my life experience. On the way to the revelation of my life the reason for my life the spirit of prophecy in my life this scripture my wife dies of 40 years i'm heartbroken i don't like the way the future looks at all and god shows up i mean like within a few days when i should be mourning like you told Ezekiel, don't bore when his wife died. These are things we live and experience, folks. He wakes me up and asks me the same question that he asked Peter. Do you love me? This is the only thing I can get out of my mouth. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is none upon earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's what pops out of the tribulation it is the revelation. God, you're it. You are my all in all. Who do I have in heaven? If I went to heaven right now, what would I find? You. And here's the wonderful thing. There's nothing on earth I can desire besides you. That means you're here too. And so I can dwell in the secret place of the most high. And why does that even matter? Why does that scripture matter to me? It's because of this. God has told me that me and my wife, the first one's gone, but he gave me another one. So that I will grasp the fullness of the revelation of the bride and the bridegroom. That's part of my life. And I'm going to have more revelation on it. I know I will. I got a book I can write. I, uh, and I just wrote stuff as I went through all this process. It's a book. Full of revelation. Like David's revelations Things that I would never have thought. Because I experienced it. Here's part of it. Did God have to go through this thing, this issue twice? He did. Israel was supposed to be the wife. It didn't happen. The church now becomes the wife. I have Susan. I mean, can you draw lines between the dots? And Jesus will fulfill this. So, my question for you: What have you learned? During this period. I'm trying to give you a hint. There's your answer. What have you been acting like a jerk? Praise the Lord. You You usually do. You start out that way. Jump up above this scripture. Verse 22 of Psalm 73. This is the way I felt. Before he woke me up that morning. I was so foolish. And ignorant. I was like a beast before God. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? So life can really mess with you. And, and, and you don't have the answer that, because sometimes these these questions are unanswerable at the moment but I am telling you that they are for a purpose and they have an amazing reason for them if you walk with God. So we are all walking together in this one thing. That to me is interesting in itself. That means to me that we are the companions in tribulation over this issue that God is trying to birth real truth from. I hope you get what I'm saying may I suggest that one of the truths is we are still here and we're surrounded by the tribulation. Are we not? I wonder if that has any meaning. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, I thank you that you're going to lay line upon line about what you're doing and you're already started and you've not left the throne. You didn't stop your reasons for the year 2020. You had to take a pause here and just... Bring us back to earth and into the right mindsets. Humble, seeking God, praying, believing for the right things. You've taken away a lot of dross. And you've reminded us of the things which cannot be shaken. And you are restoring our soul. You're restoring our families. You're restoring the kingdom of God so that you can give it to us. I pray that you will. Open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week.